This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Catherine Shearer. Hello. 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 It's lovely to see you again, <laughs> even though we have been neighbours mm. for all, all of the time we've known each other. Well, I think we've bumped into the street a few yeah, times. And then stopped for about a half hour yeah. chat and <laughs> during, debriefed. During the pandemic. <laughs> um, debriefed wherever uh, each other was, um, was at. But you are the most... Um, difficult to keep track of <laughs> in terms of what you're doing. So well, I'm 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 mainly producing now. So yeah, I know. But yeah. you were once you once were an actor. Yes, but that's funny that that shoot that we did together where we met, which you just spoke about, was probably one of the last. Um, when you say five years, I think oh, that was the start of me branching out into mm. actually producing. So five years ago, yes, things were very different. Yeah, because you've done a lot. Um, I've done so much since then um, that, as you say, you can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, I read. I think it was also like um, Sweet Tooth is the first one that comes to mind. That, yes. that comes to mind. Yeah, um, that started it all. Yeah, it yeah. really did. Yeah. But also, man, that is a beautiful film. Mm, it's very, special. very, very like it's simplistic, but mm. it's beautiful. Like um, the cinematography and everything. I just was. Yeah. Gorgeous to look at. I mean, it's hard to have it as the first because it's such a <laughs> it was such a high. You, you know, set your bar. I set my bar so high. I thought, well, I should have stopped after that <laughs> or tried to make a feature. But um, yeah, it's such a beautiful film, and the aesthetic of it was gorgeous because, of course, you know the women who worked on it. Yeah, Shannon Ashlin, Emma Payne, Emma Burke. You know, they, mm. they were all yeah. Oh, Sabina Myers. Yeah. Just an incredible bunch of creative women who had, you know, an amazing aesthetic. So I was very lucky. Yeah. And um, I just think that what I love about that film is kind of just the the random stories that I heard coming out of that film, especially with the narration, of um, mm. which um, sounded like the most – I remember you telling me at the time, it was like this sounded like the most red-taped um, – like reason <laughs> but it was really just circumstantial wasn't it it was very well, you're talking about the narration of Kate yeah Kate Blanchett because yeah. it was very kind of like just happened well not really I mean these things never just happen I mean <laughs> of course it just happened in our wildest dreams we didn't expect it to happen yes I mean if that if that's what you mean yeah it was we couldn't believe our luck like we we're pinching ourselves like we we're just a bunch of giggly schoolgirls really when mm. it was all happening but you know that took um yeah, that took. I don't don't know what you'd say. Like, yeah, still a lot of courage to reach yeah. out to to make the right. You know, Shannon made a tape that we sent to Kate, and we tried to go through the right um, avenues. You know, the right agents, and it just landed in this, the laps of the right people. And the fact that then she loved the film, and at the time it was unfinished, and she could see the potential in it, and you know, she did it obviously for the love of the, you know, fellow fellow film yeah <laughs> filmmaker, female filmmaker. So yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, and I think I think that also just goes to show that um, she is very she's a very genuine person yes, and and yeah. very loving mm. um, of the of, of especially the Australian film industry, but also just like um, the fact that it w there were so many prominent women on that set really like astounded me because it was like that's not something you see every day. Yeah, well, not prominent women at the time. I no. mean, so many people have gone on to do amazing things. I mean, Julia. Uh, Savage, you know, who was the lead in that, where she was only 10 at the time. And mm. she's now, you know, going to be a bona fide film star. I mean, she's um, gone on, you know, to do amazing things, as we mm. knew she would. 
Um, but it was just a bunch of, you know, unknown, most of us, you know, all just getting together and pulling a lot of favors, as you say. Yeah. You know, um, it's, yeah, it was, it was filmmaking in my naivety. Like yeah. that was my first. So I just did um, everything in a totally green way. But it did show me that if you go and ask the right people, you start at the top and they may say yes. And yeah. that's happened again to me. I've got Rachel Griffiths on board as a film ambassador for another film that I did. And yeah. I just reached out to her because I thought, well, why not? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the generosity of her spirit and the fact that she also liked the film for this river and she wanted to support, you know, for not asking nothing in return in the same way Kate did. So, yeah, I'm I'm extremely kind of... Um, inspired by that yeah which i think i think is also just the the um the the real show of what you can do when you just as you say ask the right like ask and then also just sometimes receive mm. because i often say to people where's the harm in asking yeah um because you know the worst you they can say is no that's it you have to ask um, yep. Yep. and i've had some weird circumstances with saying like asking favors and i think I don't know, the pandemic, like, the pandemic was kind of like, I think, a big time for a lot of people realising what the arts meant. Mm. Um, and I I feel like it sort of changed, at least my perception of it. Did it change your perception of how you saw the arts and kind of what it, the arts could do? I guess I've always been appreciative of the arts in my life and, you know, I think that is life. Like, to me, even the other day, you know, my partner and I were saying, you know, food, music, films, theatre, what else is there? <laughs> what else is there? That's life to us, you know, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it gave me a great appreciation for so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, where did this love, where did young Kate, <laughs> where did young Katie think of it? Well, for love of theatre, I'll blame my mum because, and she'll always <laughs> say, I shouldn't have taken you to the theatre. But, you know, I went to the theatre at a really young age. Yeah. And I guess it was just something for her to take us to for school holidays or something. But um, she did love music and, you know, my parents were always very, you know, they had, um, they were, they are very creative themselves in their own way. Mm. So, but she just took us to theatre and I was captivated by it at a young age. I just remember going, growing up in Adelaide, going to theatres, you know, I went to see Patch Theatre. So, and we went to see opera, went to see musicals, went to see like, you know, street theatre, went like anything that was going, I guess. Yeah. So I just, um. I just thought it was an amazing world and that smell of theatres, I still remember it. It's, you know, you know, when you walk into a theatre and it's like it's got a particular smell. Yeah. That takes me right back to my childhood. I, oh, that was like, um, I was in the theatre every time I walk into the Seymour Centre, which I worked at for three years. Mm. Um, <laughs> and and I think it's like, um, it was just always the memory of mum taking me there and just the fidgeting in the seat <laughs> and I couldn't sit still. Um, but yeah, when I worked there for three years, it was a very different experience mm. because it made me, it made me as a performer and as a person appreciate the hours oh. that people put into their craft. The hours. Um, yeah. cause it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not kind of a simple overnight thing. Um, no. and yeah, I think it was like, I remember, you know, pa the parent, the parent night when like, you know, the schools would put on their school spectacular moments mm. and, uh, I used to hate them because I thought, 
sounds awful, but I did. Because you you had the parents who clearly either came from rural areas who mm. had never been to theatre in their mm. life, so they didn't know that bringing snacks into the theatre <laughs> was not like a movie theatre. You couldn't just crunch loudly on Maltesers and you yeah. just go. <laughs> um, well, Broadway audiences still do that. No. I know. Yeah. Don't they yeah. Dust. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like I think then and then you had the parents who just goes, I'm not paying for a ticket. My child's in the performance. And I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter. You have to pay. <laughs> you got oh, those parents. Really terrible. Yeah. Oh. Um, so you, and I think my brother told me one shocker story, which was like of a uni, you know, like the uni review things where mm. they used to like the university has all those uni reviews. And one mother screamed at her daughter, who's like in her 20s on stage and going, you're doing a bad performance and all these things. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, like, I bet she didn't grow up to be a professional. <laughs> She'd probably be like, I'm out of here. Yeah. But, so, so like, I think my experience with, with other people's parents in terms of, like, yeah. theatre, and especially because I feel like theatre is such a different thing to film. And it's yeah, different. So, yeah. But a lot of, do you feel like people think it's the same thing at points? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure people who know, know the difference. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just very, you know, you do take it for granted if you, yeah. you, yeah, you do know both mediums well, because of course, you know, when people watch television, they probably also think, well, they don't realize how long it also takes to film one scene. Yeah. Um, so, of course, yeah. I, and, and the same with me, as you mentioned, you know, until you're actually on a film set and you're seeing how everything works and how everything's put together. And the same with theatre behind the scenes. Until you really know the work that goes in behind to create something that just looks effortless is incredible. <laughs> yeah, as we know, like just so many hours and yeah. so, so much work behind the scenes and so much more work with limited budgets. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. both of yeah. us have worked yeah. with very yeah. limited. And, well, I mean, that's all I've worked with. And, yeah. you know, theatre and film, I've only worked with limited budgets. And so you stretch to the absolute maximum. Yeah. Not only you doing many, many hats, but everybody else is doing many, many hats. Yeah, because I feel like, um, you know, it's very interesting when you're stretched to it. Um, mm. And I had that recently with the charity shoot, which I think, kudos to the charity for sponsoring the entire thing. But we set a bare minimum budget, yep. which was uh, 20000 which was doable, but everyone did take a pay cut. Like, it mm. was just, like, across the board. It was mm. like everyone said, um, this is the full budget. What's your rate on half? Like, half yeah. your rate. Right. Because there were just points where it was like, what's your reduced rate or what can you take half of? Mm. Because there was no point charging. Like, I did that one. Um, I did editing paid. Um, but I did producing for free because yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to put yeah. something in. To well, generally contribute. as a producer, you know, unfortunately that's <laughs> for me, that's what I found, you know, as a producer, you're the last to get paid yeah. and you generally don't. <laughs> I mean, if you want to pay yourself, then you're taking away money from somewhere, Someone something else. else in the budget. You yeah. Know? So, um, yeah. And, it, and that's a hard thing because, you know, I think, what do you do then? Because what, mm, what? How do you sustain did, yourself? That's yeah. why did you change? Because <laughs> my next question <laughs> yeah. should be: Why did you change from acting, which is clearly a sustainable, like well, to producing, oh, which gosh. is also sustainable? Yeah, that's right. Two very uh, <laughs> steady incomes there. Um, I mean, yeah. Look, maybe I, I just, um, you know, I think I'm crazy, of course, <laughs> to choose to choose these things. But I cannot imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah, and you have to put yourself in a very um, a position where you are able to, you know, 
like, I mean, this podcast is about mental health and so many things, but I think the most important thing is to, when you choose to have a career in the performing arts, you have to have very low overheads if you're living in Sydney. And that's the only way that I've managed to sustain myself. Um, You know, yeah. So, I mean, that's not another whole thing to talk about, but why did I acting, producing, you know, to me, it was all bundled up together. You start to get frustrated. You're not getting any work as an actor and you, you look around at the work that's being done or you look at the stories that are being told and you think that's not really a part of, I mean, it's changed a lot in the last five years. I think Mm. there's a lot, a lot more stories for women and a lot more, you know, um, diversity in what's being shown on screens. But at the time I was just like, oh, I don't. I don't really know if I even want to be involved in this industry anymore. So maybe, yeah, maybe I become more of a, a storyteller. We, Someone who could be in charge of the stories that are told. Yeah. And that that wasn't my aim at, at the beginning. I was just kind of going in with my, you know, interest of saying, oh, well, what's this producing thing all about? I think I quite would like it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel like you're, you're headstrong. Which mm. is a great, a great thing to be as a producer. Oh. Um, but you know, I know you. I, I I've known you from a personal and professional point of view. So I feel like you've always had this in between point with me. Whereas I think, from an outward perspective, like people think of you because I don't. You know, this is the thing. I don't think I'm very professional, but everyone externally <laughs> thinks I'm very professional. And oh. I, I think I'm just a loon. Oh. <laughs> Well, I think we're all a loon in our own heads. I mean, I think I'm a complete loon. Like, I just think I'm a nu- I'm, I'm completely nutty. And I know I am. I mean, I've been called, you know, like weird and crazy by many people who know me well. Um, and, yeah, and my own partner, you know. I mean, we, we're both nuts. I mean, you can't be, like, again, you can't be in these industries if you're not. Yeah. I, and, and that's just unfortunately the way it is because I think that's why so many artists deal with, you know, we find it hard to sort of just be, you know, have a normal job and yeah, yeah. and be, I don't know, happy all the time because we're we're not obviously often fulfilled in what we're doing. So we've got to find our own ways. And I think the last five years for me has just been trying to find a way to fulfill myself creatively. Yeah. And if you're not, you know, finding that, um, yeah, if you don't go and get the work, like if you're not, you know, one of Australia's sort of most established actors or, yeah, you've got to work towards finding another way. Yeah. I think that's just been my path. Yeah. I think it's I think it's also like I say that to many many young people because it's like yeah, you know, you either have a look, which it, I say there's a lot which is the problem, you know, I do agree with you it is changing for women and mm. diversity and everything, but I had a huge problem growing up which was the only roles I saw for women were side characters. Yeah. They were never the center point or the main focus. And it, it baffled me mm. because I grew up with this mum who was worked in a university, had always worked like admin role uh, roles or, you know, boss roles or kind of like just this powerhouse yep. person. So I kind of didn't understand why people weren't like that in the forefront and mm. they were just always the side or the love interest mm. or some sort of like loose cannon who went crazy. Like there was just no... Um, solid mid-ground. Yeah. And I think the same thing happened for our mutual friend Izzy who just kept getting, like, the side characters and yeah. stuff um, and giving her something more to play with mm. makes her more enjoy it more because it's, mm. like, it's more her. Yeah. It's less these weird, like, vague characters. If you give her something a bit more meaty, then she'll go for it. Like, um, but, yeah, did, did you feel 
like with your own career that it was just like you were kind of sick of that glorifying of women in general? Yeah, I think, I mean, I wish, you know, I think the generation below, you know, I mean, you're a lot younger than me and I think that the... the yeah, gener- I'm, so, I'm yeah. such a, I'm, I'm two actually. Everyone. <laughs> no, but my point about that is that <laughs> I think if I'd grown up 20 years ago, I may have a very different view. Yeah. But I, you know, I grew up in a time when, yes, women were given those roles, you know, you you were the, the sexual interest or, you know, the the girlfriend's friend or the, yeah. I don't know, you were just, and I just kind of accepted that for so long because that's what we saw on screens and, yeah. you know, so we're all trying to be the sexy females or the, you know, to, to be appealing to get those roles or, but I just got to a point where I just went, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to be, or maybe even portrayed that or watch that or, you. there just comes a point and I think that, um yeah, generations now will just sort of accept that that is you know they're seeing a lot stronger females represented on screen and so it's it's different I hope but I think that the storytellers have always been men predominantly the directors have been men you know the producers have probably been men and um yeah so we grew up watching watching you know what what males wanted to watch yeah um and we just kind of accepted that as part of the norm. I mean, I was even saying to someone the other day, I was like, "Wow, there's all these female sports that I never would have considered when yeah. I was at high school. You know, we played netball or softball." Yeah. And they were the sports, and that's kind of the same thing. It's like you just accepted that. You didn't go, "Well, why can't I play soccer or football?" You just they were the men's sports. Yeah. It's 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 baffles me because it's like um you know, they they call it the NRL or the AFL, mm. not the and then there's the WAFL or the WNRL. Not just the MNRL and the MAFL, like, um, it's it, yeah, there's this segregation, um, into sport, into the way, and and I think it's just there is no separation because I do know some men out there who are very black and white views of politically, you know, they just go, um, you know, women who play sport must be gay. I'm like, well, no, a lot of them are happily married with kids, Mm. and you know have very happy lives like mm. they don't have to necessarily be gay so i think that it, yep. it it is just this sort of like worry of of certain cultures and and a certain time where um you know mm. if you weren't well if you weren't a certain type of person and and i think a lot of men in certain times of era were struggling to f- sort of fit it's the same with like i find with women who just go oh no don't worry about feminism and stuff like that or don't worry about oh, i'm not i'm not as interested in that it's sort of like pushing the boundaries i'm like why well, they probably just take it for granted yeah. that, that they have you know the freedoms they have but i think that um a lot of people are uncomfortable with female aggression too just going back on that sports yeah. thing because you know i think playing sport i mean i took up boxing for a while and you know it was the best form of being able to out you know, outlet yeah. your aggression because, of course, of course, females have aggression too and it's just a wonderful way to, yeah, get out and play sport and I'm sure like, yeah, the, the um, I don't know, the a range of sports to me, if those kind of things were available, I probably would have done a lot more of that because I loved sport growing up and I yeah. was, you know, very athletic. But, um, yeah, there was a very limited option and I just think it was a wonderful way to, yeah, we've all got feminine and masculine in us. Yeah, I've. I think it was like um something my mom said when my brother and I were young, and she just said, "It's like you know." She was baffled. She was like, "Neither of you are interested in cars. Neither of you are interested in sport. Yet you love going to have afternoon tea and go to the cinema and the theater." Oh, and I was just great. like, she was like so wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, just this level of um, yeah, just like having artistic 
children and mm. and loving appreciating that and my dad same thing like my parents grew up on bowie like and yeah. they loved david bowie and mm. my dad was always just like admired the fact that i went and dressed up yeah. like and i did outrageous things yeah whereas i think some you know if i had any different parents who didn't mm. like that i don't yeah. know what kind of person i would have turned yeah. out to be because Probably a messed up one <laughs> probably very messed up but you know like what were your parents kind of like in terms of like you growing up and wanting to do sport and stuff were they very supportive oh of that? yeah of course you know my mum drove me around to everything like I mean if, you know I was I was I had such a great life yeah. you know I got to play so much sport and I got to do music I was heavily involved in music growing up you know I think that um yeah, there was the only t- the only time that I've looked back and said, "Mom, you know, I really uh, got mad at her is that she didn't let me tap dance." <laughs> really, uh, I tap dance for a year and I absolutely loved it. And then um, the school apparently moved into Adelaide, into the city or something. But look, she said to me, "You couldn't have done everything." Like we talked about it later because I was like, "Oh, you stopped me doing that." <laughs> I mean, what a sport brat! Like I just <laughs> I thought I think at the time, yeah, I was doing so much. So yeah. of course, yeah, they were very they were very encouraging of music mainly I mean that was a huge part of my life growing up and Mm. I was you know played musical instruments and I went to music high school musical high school and so yeah they were very encouraging um and I think like any parents they just kind of wanted me to be happy so yeah I guess me choosing to have trying to have a life in theater and now film and yeah it's um I'm I'm very grateful because are you are you an only child no I've got a brother and sister (gasps) really but I am the baby so yeah (laughs) I think my brother and sister went through you know, I was five years younger than my brother and three or one and a half years younger than my sister. So I was very close to my sister and, you know, my brother played a lot of sports. So we played sport together. My brother and I, you know, we mixed teams together in netball and stuff. So that was cool. And then my sister and I went to the same school. You know, we kind of grew up in the same, moving along yeah. to the same schools, high school, went to Brighton secondary school, which is a musical school. And, you know, we both played instruments. So I have very fond memories of, you know, my sister playing piano and I was singing or she'd be playing flute. And, you know, I played recorder and oboe and there was always music in the house and we we're always, you know, doing stuff together. And yeah, so. That's lovely. Yeah. I mean, it's very wholesome. <laughs> no, it sounds very wholesome. I'm like, just like, um, I can't wait till the biopic of your life comes out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just think, you know, you look back and, yeah, it does seem like a million a million lifetimes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when did you move? How old were you when you moved to Sydney? I had just finished drama school, so I went to Flinders and sort of came over straight away. Wow. So I was in my 20s and... um. You know, I just wanted to move because I got an agent and I thought, oh, I've got to move because that's, you know, that's the time to go. It's just like on the on the back of that. But really, I mean, no one in Sydney really cares about Flinders, Flinders <laughs> Drama Centre. But at the time, you know, I just thought, oh, getting an agent was good. And my first agent was actually Glenn Terry from Darlinghurst Theatre. Wow. Which he, at the time, you know, Darlinghurst Theatre only just started and he had a management an agency for actors. And I thought, oh, great. And you know, an acting agency with a theatre attached, but I never actually did a show with them because then I realised, you know, much, much later it was that's not the way it was run. He wasn't putting all his actors on stage in this yeah. theatre company. Um, but, yeah, I mean, unfortunately I had a lot of opportunities for screen acting auditions, but my school at the time wasn't very good at screen act. You know, we were theatre-based. We were theatre-trained, yeah. so I was probably absolutely terrible at these screen auditions. <laughs> you know, I was probably overacting all over the place. So, um yeah, I think, you know, it took me a long time to sort of find my feet and establish myself and I'd still dream about going back to Adelaide and, you know, 
And, uh, you know, but that time is gone. Like the time to come out of Flinders and then be involved in the industry there was yeah. when I came out. And, yeah, and now I've been in Sydney for way too long. I've been here for 20 years. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, yeah. it's it's by far an amazing 20 years. Yeah, but it seems like what have I done with my life in 20 years? Can I just say a lot? <laughs> it feels like nothing sometimes, honestly. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, it feels like you've, you've accomplished nothing. I, that is, I think... You know, it's it's like the thing that I always sit down and I go, I haven't done anything. I'm 30 mm. and I haven't done anything. Mm. I've wasted my 20s. <laughs> and I've uh, wasted my youth. <laughs> and everyone just goes, no, you've done photography. You've run a podcast. You do, you've made films. Like yeah. there is there is nothing like that you can say that isn't like showing that you've done something. Yeah. But it's absurd because it's like the little voice in the back of your head just going, <laughs> Yeah, you done nothing like yeah. that. <laughs> but I think it's it's at that heart of, and sometimes you know, I get, I do get very f- philosophical about it, and I think that's a good thing because things you accomplish are not really anything. I mean, yeah. they're not in life. Like I can sit and people go, "Oh, yeah, but you've done this and you've done that," and I, I just think, yeah, you'll always whatever you accomplish, you'll probably want more, or I'll probably want more. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, nothing really matters in that way either. So <laughs> it's trying to keep a balance of, you know, I don't know, just a kind of a. A level head about it all but at the same time you want to strive and you want to be ambitious and you want you know to work on good projects but you also yeah I, I mean I think that's what the p- pandemic and just I still need to do it but you know just slowing down and trying to enjoy just the simple <laughs> things in life as well because that's where I haven't been good yeah you know, I haven't been good at a balance and then when you do feel like I've worked and worked and worked and what have I got to show for it yeah that's why I can sometimes feel like that because you go oh like, I mean <laughs> I think it's also like, um, you know, the fact that you have worked and worked and worked and you don't sit still, <laughs> which is very yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, it just shows that you've done so much. And I think I think that's just the powerhouse in you because, you know, you you and I know so many of the similar, similar people. Mm. And whenever I mention your name, everyone's just face beams. <laughs> it's really nice because they always just think you're such a wholesome human <laughs> Uh, yeah well <laughs> do they wholesome yeah yeah wholesome <laughs> that are terrifying one of the two <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a few people who think um, i'm terrifying i just uh, <laughs> no look i i no no that's lovely thank you i should i should take it but it's um yeah i wish i think i need to find a way to sort of um not have that bomb under me all the time because I yeah. think it's a fear of sometimes when you have nothing on, you actually replace it straight away with something new. Yes, which is um, yeah, what I've done, <laughs> what I've done for the last five years. So um, <laughs> it's probably the reality of like actually needing to take a break and take stock and then go, what's the next step? Because yeah. I think that is the next step to try to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, to try to figure out the, the the next plan of attack, and not just be you know headlong into the next thing. And but unfortunately, like opportunity presents itself, and also the more people I meet, the more things I do. Um, you know, the bigger my circle gets, the more opportunities come. Yes, and and that uh, pros and cons with pros that. And, yeah. Um, and I think it's it it's always the thing of there are always more projects. There's always more mm. ideas. Mm. Um. I think also just there's there's certain like um, different mediums that you can tell stories in. Like I I used to think probably in my early twenties like the be all end all was to be a film editor. Mm. And I was like cool, 
don't, that's what I want to be. And then I discovered directing and producing and just more things and more interests. And I, now I don't, now I don't have one path. I have like multiple paths. But that's great. You're yeah. so talented in so many areas. I mean, I, I think editing is a great skill to have. And yeah. I think, you know, if you can do everything, then that's just brilliant. I think it's also editing is one of those, those things that never um, never shoot the editor because they are the nicest yeah. person and most patient person. Yes, yeah. Because um, it is like, how have you dealt with your <laughs> – I always love asking this question. Oh. How do you deal with editors? Oh, well, I've been really, really fortunate. I think I've had some wonderful editors. I mean, James Thomas, who's, you know, an, a wonderful editor who's come out of afters and we've – He's been on a couple of projects and then Daniel Bosenberg, who's just um, recently been an editor. I mean, I find, yeah, the the editors that I've had on film projects have been, yes, incredibly patient. Um, just, I mean, I don't know how James, you know, he just, he just worked and worked on some of the projects that, you know, were recently um, another one that was just finished with Matthew Taylor as a director, like James you know, it just went back and forth like so many times to try mm. to sort of get the film right. That was a house which hasn't come out yet. But, um, you know, I just think editors are amazing. I mean, I don't think I could I could be an editor. I don't think I'd have the patience to be able to look through all that footage. You know, I've tried sometimes. You get the rushes and you want to look through things, of course. And, um, you know, I find I skip, you know, you just try to skip to, to parts that you might want to look at. But, yeah, to sit through and look at all the rushes and yeah. I mean, I guess that's the idea of sheets and things. So you don't have to do that, but yeah. But you still do like any. Yeah, I'm sure you do yeah. to try to find the moments. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's um it's one editor who was a very old family friend of ours um, once said, you're always trying to pick the golden moments yep. because that's kind of what makes the film. Yep. I also think that when you're an editor, um, you know, it's, it's always like as a performer and you must've like seen this change when you went into producing, but as a performer, you don't quite see the full picture mm, mm. until it's there and mm. done. But as a producer, you kind of see it all the stages. Oh yeah. I think it's terrifying for an actor to actually know what, <laughs> what little power they, I mean, they, I, you know, <laughs> really in a way like you, you can, yes, of course, the editor and producer director have so much power over a project once you know, it's in the editing room. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the interesting thing for me being part of that process of seeing how people can sculpt it and people can, you know, take a, a project that, yeah, could be quite scary as a performer. But um, hopefully, you know, editors will always make actors look good. I mean. <laughs> I'm sure. They don't want any actor to look bad. I I, I certainly don't. Uh, <laughs> But I, I definitely think that, you know, um, I also think there was a, one thing that my TAFE teacher said, which was, you know, the, the, he dealt with an interview on a, ah, one actor's bad day. Mm. They came in for an interview. Mm. And, you know, you, the worst when you have a bad day and yeah. you sound like you're grumpy. Anyway, the actor finally saw the full thing. And it was like, he said to him, he's like, thank you, because you made me seem less like an ass. Yeah. Then I was on the day. Yes. And it's just, you know, it's all down to the editor. The yep. editor can change everything yeah. in a single um single heartbeat. And part of that is also on the director. Like part mm, of that yeah. relationship is to understand the communication has to be quite clear between the editor and the director and the DAP and everything. But um, you know, like I sort of think that every time um, I do this. I've I've started doing this thing, which I love. I do, I know not every time, which I love getting everyone to read voices. 
if I do a script, funnest thing. I know you're laughing and giggling like because <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I do love it because it gives you an idea of pacing and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't yep. have to sound like crisp and everything because it's not the final product, but it does give you an idea of all the actors kind of like, in a, you know, reading into their phone or anything. And then you listen to the whole thing and everyone goes, oh, okay, that's what it's going to sound like or that's mm. where it's going. Well, that's or that's, um, and it's it's gotten me out of so much trouble so many times uh, because of that because mm. people know exactly what I'm going in for. So that's awesome. Um, but it, you know, I kind of just say that for anyone, it's like do a read through with your actors, yeah. <laughs> listen to it, you know, because I've seen, especially with short films when it was a budgeting thing, mm. they don't have time for rehearsals. Yeah. They don't have time. So have you ever? <laughs> this is my big question. <laughs> have you ever done a? a film where you sometime you've definitely seen like oh that could have been better and then it's better in the f- edit or you've seen an, a scene and you're gone that's great and then when you look at it in the edit and you've gone oh yeah, yeah no no a lot i mean i think that um you know it's it's uh everything is in the edit as you say because you can take performances who you know, when you have maybe more inexperienced actors and you can try to, you know, cut around the performances and, and make yeah. make the film more solid or you have, you know, incredibly experienced actors and things can be much easier. But, yeah, maybe, you know, you still have to find things in the script that are not working because then you realise you're sort of missing something. So yeah. you're still trying to tell the story through other images without, yeah, the actor. It's, um, I mean... There's so much to say about that because I think that that is part of that is actually some, one of the main parts of the process of filmmaking yeah. is is that third you know everyone talks about it of course you make the film once in the writing and then once shooting and then once in the edit yeah so yes uh, you know I've seen films be salvaged and I've I've seen I've seen them you know also get to a point where they go oh. I don't know what we can, what more we can do with this, with the footage we've got with the actors, but then it's it gets changed, you know, yeah. with, with ADR or, yeah. So there's so much that can be done. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's also like, um, you know, visually, because what what when you know what are your thoughts when it, like films go into film festivals and stuff and they win laurels? Because I know I know, or they win awards or anything like that. Because mm. I know so many people have hit and miss, like they either love that or they just think. Oh. Well, everyone loves to win an award, but I think, you know, like there's lots, lots of awards out there to be won, um, you know, that are, I mean, you know, they're not all Oscars. So yeah. it's there's it's great to have laurels and it's great to have, but in a way I feel like they're a little bit meaningless, you know, unless you win some cash prizes that is going to help you get, you know, get yeah. your next film made potentially. I mean, I think it's it's wonderful to win awards and, you know, some of the shorts I've, I've been on have got awards and you just get so excited but you know everyone forgets about it after you know two months or something and it's like it's nice to sort of say that but that doesn't mean that that film's going to have any greater success in the next film festival that it's entered into um but I guess it can get you traction you know as a filmmaker and I know some filmmakers who who that's really worked for and that's a wonderful thing you're always trying to go for those elusive you know bigger awards that people will sit up and take notice and say oh they they won so and so yeah yeah I mean, I, yeah, I sort of very much, I love and hate film festivals. Yeah. Because I mean, like, you can have some real dodge. Um, I like. I think you just have to be selective about yeah. film festivals. <laughs> well, I, you know, do you remember when, um, uh, I, I think that thing I, lo- I love was always the short films before, you know, during the Sydney Film Festival, mm. you'd be a short film before the major film. Mm. 
That were great. Mm. Um, I didn't like the year when it was COVID-centric because you had to watch them at home. Ah. Um, and I feel like it kind of lost me a bit, that cinema experience, because yeah. I loved going to see yeah. Sydney Film Festival. is one of my favourite film festivals. Then there's, like, there's just a whole bunch of film festivals that come to Sydney, and I'm just like, oh, my God, that, that, just give yeah, it to me. Tim- um, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Give it to <laughs> me. Give it to me. Just let me <laughs> absorb it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very inappropriate when I say it like that. <laughs> But I, I was sure if you meant give me the film festival, like I want to run it. Do you want to? Yeah, that, yeah, no, no. <laughs> just oh, okay. like let me enjoy the films. Just let yeah, me like, right, yeah. rake it in. Although yeah. I would love to run a film festival <laughs> one day. I think That'd it's be... very hard. I mean, Bronwyn Kidd is amazing. You know, yeah, running the Flicker Fest for as long as she has. And I think you know, film festivals. Are, I mean, wow, where would we be without film festivals? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like we did you when you've made Sweet Tooth or anything. Mm. And then that was like a finished product. Did you, for the life of you, think that would go anywhere and be anything? Oh, of course, we, we. You know, we had we had plans to try to make that have a life after that. But it's very hard when you do. I mean, Sweet Tooth was based on, you know, the Huntsman Gretel tale, um, and I think it's very hard to do something based on something that you know is already a as you say with your project like it's already out there it's not something necessarily that's an original story it was just a take on it but um um punch and judy or judy and punch i should say the feature film came yes. out around the same time as uh short and we didn't know about that but um at the time they were very similar um you know genre and and a take on a on a fairy tale i guess or a you know, story <laughs> that yeah so i think after punch and judy um Judy and Punch, which way is it? The feature film anyway. Um, I mean, I saw it at the cinema and I absolutely loved it. But I think that, yeah, for us to try to do A Sweet Tooth as a feature film wasn't – it just kind of died. Like, right. And, of course, Shannon's in UK now and we still, um, you know, had grand plans but she wanted to go there before Brexit had happened and, you know, she's she's a European citizen so she was trying to be into the UK working there before Brexit. And, you know, so unfortunately we had grand, grand visions of where – you know, it would Sweet Tooth would take us, but um, you know, we still got a bigger plan in the future. But I think that will now be a, a fifteen-year plan, not a not a five-year plan. We because I, I did I did remember talking to you about that well back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was very much like you two had kind of just gone. Here's hopefully what's going to happen in the future. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, I went, uh, I and you invited a few people to the preview screening and everything. It was great. But it was one of those moments where you were just like, cool, okay, let's see where you two go from there. Mm. And it's... Yeah, well, I didn't know she was going to the UK at that time. I don't think she thought she was either. But um, we didn't know Brexit was happening. But um, A lot of things changed in the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, she's someone that I will always um, want to collaborate with in the future. As, you know, are most of the... um, writers and directors that I've worked with you know I've just been so lucky with so many of the females that I've worked with and will want to collaborate with them in the future but um you know Shannon is a very special special one um because she's got that European sensibility about her because you know she's Swiss and she's got that (laughs) that Swiss eye and also that Swiss kind of um everything has to be perfect (laughs) Swiss people are just yeah and they make things they make things extra twinkly I think (laughs) <laughs> I love that extra twinkly. Um, yeah, because I mean, like, I think also, I I remember you know the whole pre 
A sweet tooth felt like a bit of a blur to me because yeah. it was like so many posts on Facebook from you. Oh, uh, like, yeah. um, if anyone knows uh, <laughs> Katie personally, mom- yeah, there, okay. there's the <laughs> okay. I probably bombarded people with that, but you know, again, the naivety of my my um, I, I'm much more careful of that. But at at the time we were doing crowdfunding and you know we raised twenty two thousand yes and I you know I had no shame like I did like bombard people with that campaign, um and we raised a good amount of money I don't think I could do that again I think as they say people have one good campaign in a lifetime and um you know I I couldn't I couldn't do that again I couldn't be so shameless but um <laughs> I was at the time because I just believed in it so much you know yeah. and I thought well you don't have to give me money but <laughs> um you know you can look away but um it's it's one of those things i think social media are good for but i know people yeah. get so sick of it um i'm much more careful now you know, i mean how did you go about f- um funding the other ones like well in a very similar tale i mean sweet tooth you know came through afters and i've done a, f- a lot of films through afters um uh, because it's a great that's that was my learning that was my way i could learn producing you know, to, to externally produce films through afters. And um, uh, I'm, I've done, I'm about to go on to my fifth, my fifth wow. afters master's film, which is crazy. But again, like, because I've met these people that then I, I end up working with the filmmaker. And so it becomes, you know, a, a friend that I'm working with or a, or a, you know, a particular director. And I've just met so many wonderful people through afters. So, um, you know, afters gives you a small, a small amount of money to make a film and, and you have to crowdfund. Um, which is why we did, you know, hit hit it with Sweet Tooth. But there's been other ones that have been funded through different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got to find money from somewhere. And if it's 20 grand, that's the lowest, I think, you know, I've made a film, short film for. Um, I've been a – Actor Mini has been one of the, one of the um, uh, funding bodies for charging. And I've just done a Screen New South Wales film with ScreenAbility. And so that was, mm. you know, funding there. And there's um, – probably no film that I can think of that's just been privately I mean I've put money into a lot of the films in the beginning mm. I would put my own money into things but now yeah I just sort of feel like I'll give away my fee but you just can't keep paying no. to make films you have to find a way yeah you have to yeah because <laughs> otherwise it's just burning a hole in your pocket and it's yeah not... we're just paying to paying to... to you know to create I guess yeah not getting profit back <laughs> Yeah, if you if you if you're getting something, I think from a from a career point of view, like I, I'm trying to work towards having a career as a producer. Yes. So I'm trying to show, you know, the ability to be able to produce good work. Um, that's a different thing. But yeah, there comes a point when you just go, I need to start, you know, earning some real uh, some money. Yeah, yeah. From, from this. I think I think it's like um the thing because I'm a I'm about like either by the time this comes out or soon I will have like my photography website up mm. which means I can actually yeah. have a rate and yeah. stuff on it and I think that to me my like my dad's been saying for years it's like oh charge people charge people mm. and I remember the first time someone said oh hey do you mind doing headshots for me I was a friend and they were like I'll give you a hundred bucks and I was like no no don't give me money like I had this huge sense of oh. guilt oh. um and I think it's because for me. I never understood why people put prices on things mm. because I was like, well, you know, art is love. And mm, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's such a naive um, viewpoint because 
capitalism yeah <laughs> well it's a beautiful viewpoint and i feel very much the same but i i think you know you go mad if yeah. you're if if you're not trying to value yourself yeah. in that way and i yeah i think that i need to learn more of that as well like trying to put a value on what you are offering people yeah um, you know because it is too easy to just say oh no you know i yeah i just want to help um and of course you do but um yeah most people in sydney are not in the position where they can work for free but I have been at times, you know, so it, yeah. it, it it's easier for me. But I have asked a lot of people to work for free and I've, you know, pulled so many favours and I just really don't feel like I can do that anymore either. So it's, no. yeah, it's the type of thing where you know that you have to move on from something eventually. You don't want to get stuck in that indie world and just like, you know, everyone's working for free or favours or because it's not sustainable and it's not fair. Everyone should be paid. Yeah. Um, so if, yeah. <laughs> if I did every shoot... Um, you know, and I could do that and if like any shoot really, I'd pay everyone. Like there was like course, yeah. and it's one of the things like um, you know, I I remember when I was doing um Fresh Local back when before the pandemic and it mm-hmm. kind of shut down because of the pandemic. It's still in a drawer somewhere. I do want to make that mm-hmm. one day because I'm very happy with the script. But um I remember we had a chat with the cafe. We had a chat with like it was a cafe in Anandel, um, which is Cherry Moon. Lovely owners, beautiful people. Um, and they were like, yeah, you can film here. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and they were like, you can use it overnight. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like, perfect. So we can use it off ours. And like, yeah, we just need to come in at four to start making the bread. Mm. No worries. And I think we only had to pay for the staff member who was staying there overnight. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? That's like 40 bucks a night or something yeah. like that. It's insanely cheap. And then... Our DOP and stuff were talking about it and they were like, oh, is there any chance we could shoot for the during the day? And I had to kind of pitch that question and it was like from that to 25000 Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Wow, is that what they make a day? <laughs> yes. Like, a, like a week. And I was like, you know, because we were talking about closing it for like six days to oh, film okay, the whole right. thing. Yeah. And I was like, I can't put them through that unless no. it's like Christmas period, in which case they would be shut already. Yeah. Um, but then I'd have to pay for someone to stick around. Mm. Um, so it kind of just felt like faded the wayside because I think as as – Good as I was at producing a story, I hadn't quite learnt the skills to finalise and get all the funding elsewhere. Mm. And I think that was my Achilles heel, which sounded more like terrifying admitting, but that was like as I got older, it was terrifying because it just meant I didn't know enough. I didn't Mm. I didn't physically know enough. Um, but I loved I loved all of what I learned. And there's this nice little script sitting in a drawer that one day in 10 years I will probably make. Um, but it does feel like that because I feel like when you're young and you've sort of you've worked hard on a film mm. and you're suddenly like, yes, we can make something of this. And then comes crunch point where you realize you actually just don't have the funding for it. Like it's mm. just beyond the money you actually yeah. have a bill of, um, like actually have in your pocket. Yeah. Um, no, it's money makes everything easier. It really does. And I think, you know, I will kudos to every hard member and hard crew member that had helped pre in, in pre-planning and everything. And my DOP, uh, Claudia Butters, who is an amazing human and I love her very much. Um, and she just has in her drawer, like all the floor plans as well. We've not, we've talked about it for many times, never throwing them out until mm. we make it one day. Yep. And the two of us are probably going to just be like, yep, we'll make it. Um, but it's one of those ideas that, 
I think does need you do need to sit on. Mm. You do need to get to a point career-wise where you can actually feasibly make something because I feel like as a writer or as a producer, there is a level of ambition. Mm. We we create stories that are feasibly without a ambitious, but probably not realistic in budget. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing as um uh, you know, trying to find the the fine line between having ambition and having the budget to make it. But you know, I think ambition is great. <laughs> I think you need to have it. Otherwise, yeah, you just, you know, you just, you can't limit yourself. Definitely can't well, I limit mean, the ideas. No. It, have, you any, have you ever read any script and just gone, right, well, okay, yeah. Uh, oh, well, I've got one at the moment. <laughs> I've got, um, of course, these two beautiful, um, all right, let me just recap. <laughs> Go back. Rewind. Yeah. Um, so the first feature film I would love to make has got a lot of VFX in it. Um, right. So the script, has, the script has come to me. I'm really fortunate that it's got an amazing writer, amazing script editor on it, um, and I'm trying to bring, you know, in the right team because it's got dragons um, and actually it's called Suburban Dragons and I'm only mentioning it because, you know, that will be the next project that I would want to be working on because a feature film with a lot of VFX um, you would need like millions of dollars to make that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not something that I've worked on before, something with millions of dollars. Mm. So you've got to have ambition. Yeah. I mean, you know, you start somewhere, okay? You go for some money for early development so the, the writers can write this script because it's going to be an amazing, beautiful script. But, yeah, it might take five years to make it. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like millions of dollars, I think – um, I always look back at fil- indie films. They're mm. called indie films now, but they're, now they're very famous. Um, but I look back at like Shaun of the Dead, which is one of my, Edgar Wright is one of my favorite all-time directors. He made that film, I believe, on like six million pounds. Wow. And you look at it and you go, well, obviously they were all pretty established at the time, mm. but that was the kind of their, from their TV budget to mm. their first film yeah. thing. And even then... I remember in interviews he said, I wrangled all my uni friends, I wrangled mm. everyone to play a zombie because yep. we just didn't have the money yes. to throw into the yeah. like all the extras. Yeah. So they just wrangled everyone, everyone they could. Yeah. I think, you know, even I, I think filmmaking in some ways never changes, even if you have these huge, huge budgets and mm. you know, there's always you're always struggling because filmmaking is so hard. Yeah. You always, you know, money can solve everything. But yeah, look at these huge, the budgets that have these huge, or films that have these huge budgets and, you know, they're, they're shit. Like they're just, you know, big Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah. I mean, I hate those kind of films that, you know, you just go, wow, this has got so much money and it's been so produced, but it's just shit. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I never want to make those films. No, it, it just, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many I could list. Um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like, um, yeah, it's just, it, I also feel like, you know, you've got, people like Warner Brothers and mm. Sony, big conglomerate and entertainment units that do throw money at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. Um, and sometimes those are flops. Uh, and I'm like, bring the money this way to the, mm. you know, the industries over here. And, you know, yeah. actually- well, I love indie films, you know, I mean, I yeah. love arty indie films and I mean, my partner and I just watch like mostly, you know, a lot of foreign films. Like, yeah, we don't watch, you know, all that. I mean, we don't have Netflix or anything like yeah, we're I'm, strange like that. I mean, like, um, I've got a movie on my shelf called Monsters and all the VFX and editing, mm. um, were done by the director like everything post and it was 
two friends of his who we got to star in an hour and a half worth of film and a lot of it was improvised mm, because wow. they were a married couple mm. and they were, you know, um, but in the film they didn't know each other. And so it was just this kind of like story about some guy who had to take care of this person during an alien like invasion kind of thing and already aliens existed and, and it was just very interesting but it, you could tell um that the film actually had a story to it and it mm. was just an interesting look at people yeah. in this kind of terrible in and um situation yeah and i was like god the vfx vfx looks phenomenal mm. but you just be like the guy did that all in his bedroom like wow. on his own and yeah. i'm just like astounded by that because that's what i feel like you know um and David S. Sandberg, the same thing. He does like Shazam now, mm. but he used to produce films with his wife on YouTube. And you look at those films, they both, and he still does it today. He's now like a famous director and he mm. still does it today with his wife. And I think it's the sweetest thing because mm. they'll film something at home and then he'll just do all the sound effects and VFX. That's cool. Um, but he said it. he does these wonderful tutorials about what it means to be working on a big budget film set. And he just goes, oh, I once talked about taking um, the editing home and just doing it at home because I could do that effect at home. Mm. It was quite easy. And they were like, no, you have to take the budget out of the... And he was like, why? Yeah. I can do this for nothing. And they're like, yeah. nope, still take the budget yeah. because that's... Better. <laughs> so there's this like red tape that always has to happen when you're in a mm. big financial film because they have to legally... I think there's some sort of clauses where yeah. they go, this has to come out of the budget. Yeah, they have to um, write it off to where the budget's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wow. It would be nice to have budget. That you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think... That all good filmmakers, you know, that's why it's great that you edit. Like, I mean, uh, it's to be able to just go, oh, I'll just take that home and do it myself. Like, yeah, amazing. I mean, you know? it's it's a lifesaver mm. in in, <laughs> in yeah. so many ways. But I mean, it, it does also go to show because you can show a product quite quickly mm. as well when you're, when you're mm. kind of a director or editor because mm. you can kind of show all your actors this is what it might look like when it's done, and they all go woo, yeah. like a real <laughs> sense of. <laughs> They all go, woo. Uh, but there is a real sense that you could see something immediate, whereas mm. sometimes you wait months to oh, years yeah. and yeah. you just never see it and then it comes yeah. out and you're like, oh. Yeah, you're like, oh, is that, that <laughs> really? Is um, that it is? Yeah. yeah. Cause, no, things take a long time to, you know, to turn around sometimes. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's good that you can show people and they can have a sense of like, woo. <laughs> I mean, like I definitely release things publicly years later, like mm. two, three years later, and, and a lot of, you know, people go, my acting's so different now or my, yeah. my style yeah. is so different. I think it's also like it's a slice in time. Mm. Um, like and you must look at every film when you go on to the next one as mm. a slice in time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. And it and it kind of mar- has marked the years, actually. <laughs> All these films now, I'm like, okay, Sweet Tooth was in 2018. This Rev was 2019. You know, The Home Team was 2020. It's like they've marked my years um, because they've taken, you know, that long. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I look back at all the films and think, oh, I can see, you know, the, I can see the flaws and things that I don't like about Sweet Tooth. Um and that's terrible because, you know, I want to just watch it and enjoy it, but I see all the things I don't like. Yeah. I look back and go, mm, wish we'd done that differently or, well, oh, I wish we had that in there or, yeah. But um, I think that's the beauty of filmmaking, but at least it's there. You can look at it like all the theatre shows that I did. <laughs> like you have a photo. Yeah. That's nice to look back at. But, you know, it's a tangible and then it's gone. And I think that's what I loved about theatre, but that's what I what frustrated me. I think, oh, I want to have a, a product to be able to show people or I want to have a, a product that, yeah, you know, I'm building on 
Yeah, because yeah. when you worked when you worked in theatre, was that a little bit different? Were you feeling like people didn't know? Oh well, it was, you know, just independent scene here. I mean, I, I was never involved in a mainstream sort of you know theatre world, like really. Were um, you involved? You were involved in some capacity in the Globe theatre stuff when? Yeah, I was company. I was company manager. Of yeah, there you Globe. there yeah. there you go. Oh no, I mean as a performer, you know, yeah. of course, you know, um, and in my twenties, you know, I, I toured with a, a performing company around the world. Who did uh, you know image based theatre? theatre stuff but um yeah in Sydney here you know mainly all the theatre work that I could get to do was you know the indie the indie companies who've come a long way like there's so many great companies in Sydney yeah. where, you know that, that actors can work with you don't have to be with Sydney or Belvoir or one of the main ones there's so many great independent companies yeah um but yeah again you know most of the time you're working for free for those things and uh and it's just really hard you you you're just on a bit of a treadmill if yeah mm, you know, you want to be part of it, but I, I it's kind of the reason I didn't want to continue acting after school. Right. Um, it's very much because I thought it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you're really selling it for me. <laughs> this whole conversation, I'm like, yeah, okay, just producing yeah. is the right part. Uh, oh, that's even harder. That's harder though. I think that's harder. Like now, I just look back at being an actor. And I think, oh gosh, it's so easy. Okay. You know? <laughs> It is. You just have to know your lines. Turn up. Maybe bring something to set. They might ask you to bring, but, but you know, it's, and and just turn up and be cheerful. Like. Just turn up and yeah, you know, just uh, it's producing. I think being an independent producer is one of the hardest things I've done. Yeah. How's it talking about mental health and everything though? Mm. How's your mental health with it all? Like, how have you sort of like overall, especially you know, growing up and everything? How have mm. you sort of kept on top of everything? I've had lots of really hard periods where I've just thought no that's it I'm going into a big, big mm. black hole now um I think the way the only way that I've survived kind of still putting myself in there I mean some therapy but you know therapists are expensive um <laughs> you you just have to find a way to bring yourself back to that level of saying nothing is worth yeah you know nothing is worth my mental health yes um, yeah, so kind of putting that first and sometimes that's really hard when you're busy and you think, oh, nothing, you know, I, I just I can put myself last because all these other things are going to take precedent. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've learned that that's you, you will very quickly burn out and you will probably not want to do it anymore wow. because, yeah, I've had times when I've just been so down about it all that mm. you just you think I can't do this anymore. Um, but you always find a way because you love it. And something brings you back and something gives you hope or yeah. somebody gives you hope. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a really important thing. I mean, I've got little things that I do that re that relax me. Like I think everybody, you know, finds the little things. Like for me, I've just found a love of gardening, which is weird <laughs> because I've never been into gardens. Yeah. But now I have this extreme love of plants. And if I have a really bad day or I feel stressed or I feel, you know, anxious, um, I just go out into my little, little pot of you know, garden world in the backyard and just potter around. And I just find that completely distresses me. Really? Yeah. And plants have become like a real refuge. I've wow. started putting more and more plants in my house because I think that the more stressed I get, the more plants appear, you know. What does your partner think? <laughs> I think he's liking it. He's like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he went, I can't believe that when I met you, you just didn't know how to grow things. <laughs> Because I didn't, I would probably kill things. You know, I didn't really know how plants worked. Like that sounds strange, but you know, you, you overwater them or you, yeah, whatever. Like, but now I have a real green thumb, and I Interesting. just relish in these plants. Like they just give me so much pleasure. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I generally like now living with Emily. We have like a little plant hospital, we call it, because it's like yes. a greenhouse. Yeah. And it just keeps them all warm and happy. Oh, I love that plant hospital. Yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> that's my therapy space. Um, yeah, because I, I originally she lived in a flat, so they all died. They oh. all like, and I, I my, <laughs> love my uh, sister in law so much, but she gave me like, she gave me um, devil's ivy, which oh. is not meant to die. Yes. It's meant to live yep. for it. Yeah. And I killed it. <laughs> And, and jokingly, Emily was like, you're the only person I know who's managed to kill that plant. Yeah. How did you kill it? I, look, probably just not giving it enough light or giving it too much. I don't yeah. know. I just think I, every time I moved it, it seemed ha- unhappy. Yeah, right. And it was never happy where it was in the apartment. So yeah. I gave up trying. Gave up trying. Yeah. I think a lot of people say that. They go, oh, I kill plants, you know, this or that. But I, I've killed plants too, but I think you that's what I enjoy about it, like finding out how to make that one work and where is it's going to be its best place in, yeah. the, in the house or the garden. You know, is it indoor, is it outdoor? Like does it like water or blah, 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 blah. You know, boring for people who don't like plants. But, yeah, I'm, I've become obsessed with them. I love that you're obsessed with plants. Mm. You know what? You know what I love about this place as well because it has a jungle at the back. Yeah, it's just this overgrown. I have like, to go and look after. It. Um, yeah, and we've got a friend of ours who comes around and gardens it. Oh us. wow, really? Yeah. You've got a gardener. <laughs> yeah, we 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 pay him a little bit, and he yeah. comes around and looks comes after. And looks after and, yeah, I know. What a great job! I know, yeah. and he loves it. Yeah, he thinks it's the bee's knees. Well, I know somebody who you know used to be in a financial job, and then he took up a gardening business, and um, he said he's never been happier. So. You know, I think there's a lot to nature. Yeah, nature kind of gives us our um, our grounding, our, you know, peace, all so that kind is, of stuff. <laughs> so is this what's going to happen in producing lets you down? You're just going to go into garden? I'll be, yeah, become a plant mother. I think, <laughs> I think I've thought about it. I've thought, oh, I could start selling all my plants because now we've got so many plants. You know, it's um, I've had to try to minimize my plants actually because it got a bit crazy there. And How many thought, plants were you buying? Oh, well... I mean, propagating them and making new pot plants and stuff. We've got like over, you know, over a hundred. We've got a small yard, but we've got over, you know, I don't know if I could count them how many I'd have, but I have a lot of plants. Yeah. So I could start a business. I could start a business selling my plants. Yeah, you could. You could You yeah. could take clippings. And yeah. So people don't want to pay too much. I mean, I went to that, there's a lovely um, a place on Glebe Road that he's got, the guy's got this. Yes. Um, yes. Do you know the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got a bird on his shoulder for, for people. And he's got this great plant shop. And yeah. I just went in there and I, I just got captivated by him and his bird and his plants. And I walked out with three plants, you know, so I just I, I almost love... walked out with his bird as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just such a great shop. Yeah. And I wanted to buy everything in that shop. But... Yeah, I uh, um, I just can't believe that, how nice he was that he let the bird so... sit on. Oh. The bird sat on, my, uh, sat on my shoulder. I was so happy. Oh, um, that's beautiful. I know, because yeah. I love, I love birds so much they're yeah. so cute especially when they're tame like yeah. they're very quiet and they're very well that's chill. a gorgeous story as well he found him as a little baby and then yeah. he that, that's his he's his mate so yeah that that bird mates for life and so it's it's his mate yeah i love that it's like i oh, know that's so I, beautiful it's it, it's just weird little things that people do and you're like yeah Never change. Yes. Uh, okay, so that that was a good example of like you're having a bad day and I would just stop at the plant shop and then you meet someone like that yes. and you talk about his bird and you just forget about your own shit for a while. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I think you have to just step away from things sometimes and just, I don't know, find someone else to, to talk to or find another thing to like focus your mind on. Which you do very well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, apparently with plants. Do you have any other things that distract you as well as plants? Well, I'm trying to walk every day now, which I think that that will help my men- that helps my mental health because if you're not if you're just sitting at a computer all day and you're just you know emailing and you're getting potentially frustrated with you know how the day is going if i just sit there and just keep going trying to make things happen um yeah it's better just get up and walk away yeah but i'm i'm very bad at just giving myself that hour to go for a walk so that's my new regime just go right in the afternoon or whenever it is you just go for a walk and that clears your head as well. Do you are you now one of those people who looks at an email and, and and then tries to walk away from an email if it's an email you know you shouldn't respond to immediately? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much I could say about that. But, um, yeah, I emailing is 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 a tough thing because I think you know everything so much is done over email. Uh. Um, yeah, and in this world, you know, now it's like everything's done online and everything's done on e- so much is done on email and we're not meeting people face-to-face as much and that's really hard as well. Yeah. Because, you know, face-to-face, I think people are always going to be, it's much a different, it, yeah, it's a, it, it's a much different vibe. Um, yeah, but, you know, look, I mean, I love emailing and getting through my emails and going, oh, you know, put that one up back in, in that box and, you know, getting through my emails. But, um, yeah, sometimes you do. You just get overwhelmed by yeah. all the emails. I, um, I find I love it when emails group together, mm. which is my favorite thing. Group together, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just stay in one section and they're all happy. Um, <laughs> That's why I like my different email addresses. Yeah. Yeah. I can Keep understand their, this why. In their boxes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like I, I definitely think – uh, it can be quite overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some days you just don't want to do those no, emails, right? No, so especially. I, I mean, also my um, my you know, I taught this. Uh, it's funny as well because I used to never use a calendar mm. until. <laughs> I love that you laugh at this because I now use Google Calendar mm. re- religiously. Yeah, it's the most useful thing in the world. Um, but I know that so many people don't use it like the yeah. way it's meant to be used, which yeah. is to create invites, create events. Yeah. You know, you use it as a um, like, and it sends you email notifications to yeah. alert you when things are coming up. And so many people I know never use it for what it's there for. Yes, and I'm just like. Huh. Yeah, but I think the same could be done, you know, for technology. I mean, I think that I I very much underuse underutilize technology because you and unless you're an absolute whiz bang. Yeah, you know, I ju- I just try to, I mean, I use technology for what it helps me for. But I think if I knew a lot more about learning or <laughs> do, do, you know technology, I it would it would help me a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. <laughs> This could, this could be my ADHD brain though <laughs> kicking in, which probably is why I'm like, oh, you know, oh, you know, just send out a hundred emails. I've been, look, this was the funniest thing I think anyone sent to me recently was just like, they scrolled through all the um, like invites and reschedule e- emails yeah. that had been sent by me. And yes. I was just like, I am so, so, and they were like, yeah. that's not even just this month. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, well, I'm glad someone's told you that because it does get... <laughs> It can get email fatigue, and you know, and after a while, it it loses. I look. <laughs> I feel like I was just told then. <laughs> it comes from the most endearing place and and loving place, but it's just like yeah. I love that you were like, I'm glad someone else. I'm <laughs> glad someone else did that. <laughs> but I do. I think that's why you know I try to go. Okay, this project's going to have this email address because I just you just get inundated by 
by your own inbox sometimes. And that's the yeah. only way that I can sort of try to stay on top of things is to try to go different projects, have a different email address. So do you have a different one for your producing? Well, yeah, for, for a different for a different project, I try to create a different email address. Like, oh my lord! Yeah, so if it's a different film, I will have a different email address. Oh, that's right, because so you that's had the, the, way lo- I swap the between lost them. river. This river. Uh, sorry, this river. I don't know why I thought <laughs> <laughs> this river. Sorry, no, I don't know right. why I kept thinking there was a lost. There, I yeah. think there is a film called The Lost River or something. Right. Oh, there's probably lots of lots of different. Um, but yeah, you had this river. Um, at what was that? Do you use Hotmail or Gmail? This River Producer. So g- generally, before I started, so Sweet Tooth was Sweet Tooth Producer, and then it was This River Producer, and then it was uh, oh what else God. did I have? Charging Producer. And but you know, I I sometimes people slip into the Catherine Shearer e- email, and it just the project stays in that Catherine Shearer um, email, which is which is hard because I'm like, oh, I want to now create the new email address for that project, but it's already in the inbox there, and I I can't. I can't try to now push it out. So, you know, sometimes it slips through. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I have to. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's worse, me fatiguing or you with your multiple. I know. See, that's my ADHD. That's my, that's, is that called it? Oh, no. OCG. I, I, OCD. OCD. OCD, yeah. OCG. Oh, my God. I've been doing too much Children's Guardian. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I yeah, it sounds so nerdy, but it's the only way. Again, mental health. You have to sort of try to mm. be organized. Because yeah. lack of organization for me just creates so much anxiety and chaos mm. in my head. I am impressed because, yeah. like, kudos to you <laughs> for doing that. Yeah. Um, well, I, there's something I learned. I was just like, okay, I have to put that over there. And that yeah. did start with Sweet Tooth. I, d- I went, I'm going to have my own email for this project. And, and that started the sort of, um, yeah. the pr- you know, the idea that that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, which I – yeah. Because I mean, yeah. then you go, I'm going to work on an hour on this project. I'm going to be on that email. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. And then you swap emails. And so then you can, otherwise your brain's going from, you know, when you've got multiple things going on. Yeah. Um, that's the only way that I could do it. That's it. Look, I, I kudos to you because I only, <laughs> I have my main email and then I have uh, the Doctor Who fan one mm-hmm. and then I have my production email and i think uh, although i i should say this i have about five instagrams so it's like i am no saint um so yeah like i i I get where you're coming from because you like everything in a category and it needs to go well only for work i mean i in my you know personal life i'm 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 a complete mess so (laughs) (laughs) i you know it's it's the funniest thing because that's what i always get told like you know, Siri always says to me, I don't know how you can be so organized. You, you you don't remember what day it is or you don't remember where your keys are. Or you don't remember this, you know, like he thinks I'm, you know, very absent-minded and, and sort of not organized. But in my work life, I'm, I try to be as organized as that's, I can. That's really interesting because <laughs> it's very endearing though, probably. Oh, very annoying for him probably. <laughs> yeah. Because he can see that I'm organized in other ways, but I think that's, you know, you, you try to let your mind relax a little bit as well when you, when you can. And you don't want to be like you're just thinking all the time. Yeah, that's that's the worst. What's your what's your so your go to is gardening the moment you get home. Well, gardening, but you know, also of course watching stuff like yeah. What's your what's your, what's your um three favorite things to watch to switch off? Oh, uh, we just love going and, and going. Okay, I mean, years and years I'd heard about that for ages, and I love Emma Thompson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So ages ago when it came out, I watched the first ep, and I went, oh, that's quite good. Oh, I should wait until three can watch it with me. 
Um, so we just binge watched it like, you know, a few nights ago, we just watched the first season. Um, we just like finding a, you know, a show that we can just go, oh, we'll just watch that or we'll just find a great movie and yeah, yeah find something on it. And if it doesn't grab us in the first 10 minutes, you know, a movie, we might swap over and find something else. But we love just like looking at it through all the, you know, there's so much to watch on yeah. SBS or, you know, even ABC On Demand or whatever. I mean, I'm just sound so old, but, you know. Yes. <laughs> You barely uh, sound old. We, we we just, you know, there's so much to watch on there. We go, why pay for, I mean, we'll have to eventually. We'd like to get Stan because he's going to be on something on Stan. But Ooh. yeah, yeah. So, um, but. Can't you get it for free if he's in something? Yeah, I think he'll get, he'll get something given to him. That's what oh. he told. He said, oh, we'll get a subscription for Stan for 12 months. And I was like, cool. So this might start us. Because there's becoming, some great shows on Stan. Yeah. And I need to, I need to, you know. Um. um because Emily and I just finished Wolf Like Me, which... Yes, I'd love to watch it's that. It's great. Oh, I'd love to watch that. Um, I really hope it gets a second season, but yeah, it might not. Who knows? Good. Um, Stan, or, and, and I always find Stan Originals are very, like, um, like I need to watch Bump. It's a show yeah, on my I've list. Yeah, w- I've watched that, yeah. Is it good? Yeah. See, well, I mean, that's the thing. On Actor TV, I've watched a lot of these things that, yeah, yeah. I, I watched Bump on, on that, so I watched the first. I loved it. You know, I loved it. Yeah. But that's a Claudia Carvin one, yeah? Yeah, You're yeah, talking yeah. About, yeah. I mean, I love Claudia Carvin. I've always been a huge Claudia Carvin fan, so I will watch anything she's in. <laughs> I loved Bump, yeah. I mean, I'm not a particular fan of, you know, shows about pregnancy and children, you know, I. but I do watch them and I enjoy them, like The Letdown. Yeah. I loved that as well. Um, yeah, so I love, yeah, I've only watched the first few, few episodes of Bump. But I mean, I good. just, look, Stan, I, do, I think like, yeah, I've just, I remember when everyone was signing up for all the subscriptions, I've got everything now under the sun. Yeah. But I've, people often say they don't watch as much as they think they do. Do you use yours as much as yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay, yeah. I've, well, as a, I'm a huge, uh, Marvel fan, so I will watch always stuff ah, okay. on Disney Plus as yeah. well as Star Wars. Yes. Um. I love Star Wars. Yes, a big Star Wars mm-hmm. fan. Um, I just finished. Uh, it's about to be Obi Wan coming out soon, um, so yeah. I'm very excited. And mm-hmm. then on the other side of the, like Netflix, will have original films coming. Mm-hmm. Netflix is probably the only subscription service that I'm probably the least mm-hmm. watching now. Yeah. If it wasn't for certain shows, I'd definitely get rid of it. Yeah. Because there's certain shows that I know are exclusive to Netflix, and I do religiously watch right. when they come out. Yeah. Um, like the Umbrella Academy and um, I'm less excited for Stranger Things and stuff like that mm-hmm. but I, I did love their first season and what they were doing um, yep. but yeah I feel like I feel like now it's like um, I've got Binge mm-hmm. and Paramount Plus recently yes. I'm um, yep. watching through um, I just finished Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. which is a great show um, and yeah there's, like, there's just so much, so much. as, you, as yeah. you say and you just go well, that's why when we get it, we know that we will just we will just we'll just watch so much more. Yeah, you know, which is kind of what why we don't kind of want it, but we will we will. And sometimes, you know, I'll just really want to watch a show. Um, I mean, I got on Apple TV and just watched Morning Wars. You know, I'll oh, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll want to watch something, so I'll kind of get on there and I'll subscribe for a while, and then I'll kind of you know, and I just watch those things on my laptop because yeah, so we didn't want to watch that necessarily, but um, yeah, so yeah, I think we'll get Stan. I have you know, you have to be up with. I have to be up with everything that's happening. I know. Otherwise, it's, otherwise it's just a long list of never watching a show and just yeah. being really behind. Yeah, and I don't want to be behind. I think you you would be if you don't, yeah, keep up with all these shows because there's always so much to watch. I know. So you have to keep up. And then I, though I didn't, I didn't watch um, Squid Games. I didn't watch. Oh, that. I haven't watched that either yet. No, and no. everyone, it's, it's like the thing for a week. Everyone was talking about it, mm. and they were going, "Oh, have you watched Squid Games?" And I was like, "No." 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's like uh, I kind of sometimes hit miss the train. Yeah. Like, with the yeah. big blockbuster things that everyone's talking about yes. for the week, and I'm like, no. Nah. Well, it's funny when Squid Games was. I was watching this. Um, I think it's uh the Bad Kids. I think it's it's Chinese. Anyway, I was watching this other. But Squid Games, I think I have to get back on and watch it. But yeah, I saw this um this great TV series, and it was, I'm pretty sure it's Chinese, and I absolutely loved it. So I recommend The Bad Kids. Okay, I'll yeah. give, I'll give that a, yeah. I'll give that a watch. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a final question. If there is any advice that you could give your younger self, mm. <laughs> mm. Um, heaps. And yeah. that uh, that would you know that your future self or your now self would give what would what would that be and 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 basically also to the to the people listening the listeners you know I thought there was a beautiful I'm really sad that I can't remember her name I'll look her up but um on the Grammys on the Grammy Awards the other night um one of the artists said something like oh I made this as a you know as a she didn't say love letter but a she said, for all the things I did in my 20s that were, you know, questionable or um, she sort of allowed herself to sort of um, give herself a voice to say, yeah, it was okay. I look back now, I wish I hadn't done a lot of those things. Yeah. They were questionable, but but I've kind of, you know, written these songs and, and it's been a cathartic experience and, you know, I've allowed myself to sort of um, grow from it, I guess. Um, well, she put it in much better words than I have just now, but um, I thought to myself, you know what, that's a really beautiful thing because I beat myself up about things that I did you know, back, you look back and you do, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or mm. I shouldn't have done that or I should have taken that that path at that time or, you know, made those different decisions and I'm, I'm terrible at that. Like I just, I regret things or I just go, oh, if, if I'd only done that or, mm. um, yeah, and giving myself advice, yeah, I guess um, back then I just wish I'd had more confidence in myself, more belief in myself, the, the, the belief that I feel now. But I think that's yeah. only come with time, you know, and, and getting older. Um, but I wish I could go back to my younger self and go, don't, don't do that. That's stupid. You know, don't do those stupid things that you were doing back then or don't, you know, just be more confident, but, yeah. but have more belief. Like I look back and I think, oh, wow. You know, yeah. Youth is, is really wasted on the, the young. Cause it's, you do, you just think you've got time all the time in the world and you, you kind of don't, it just goes so quickly Yeah. that I wish I could, yeah, just believe to myself more. So I think that's that's the the biggest thing. I'll just look back and say I don't. I now don't regret those things because they shaped me. Yeah. I loved what that woman said about that. But um, I think that you, yeah, you just, I, I, if I see someone, a young person now with absolute confidence and belief in themselves, I'm just, I so wish that I'd had that when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. but you have it now. Well, I just you after a while you just go, oh, well, what else? What else do you have? You of course, you know, you start to you start to believe in yourself. Yeah. After a while, but it does it t- did take me a long time. Yeah. Yeah, which is sort of a bit sad, I think. Like, yeah. Is it or I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's normal. I think it's pretty normal. Yeah. I think it's very normal. I think um I know a lot of people who just like um you know, just never feel like they've always made it yeah. or they've always done it. Yeah. Um, and I think the way I take it is you just got to live in the now. And yeah. you've got to appreciate everything in the now and yeah. not worry about what happened in the past and what happened in the future. Cause yeah. It's always just changing. Yeah. It's always changing. And, you know, I can look it back at silly decisions and then go, oh, well, moving right along. Yeah. Like, but easier said than done because, you know, anxiety is a bitch and it just likes to kind of like cling to you but um 
yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very much, you know, living in the now is mm. probably the best advice I can give to anyone. Um, but also just being respectful for other people's opinions and, you know, and just always, if I could give my younger self any advice, especially, you know, during the, my early twenties, it would be listen to everyone around you because nine times out of 10, they know more they're than right. you. They're right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. they're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, totally. Um, yeah. you just can't always get through to yeah. young people where they think they're right and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we, we all, everyone, I think, goes through yeah. a period, right? And, yeah, I, and so. I mean, like, it's it might not be a confidence thing or anything, mm. but it's you know that the um thing is that you know you can either make or break you, and it's, it's mm. very like. But I also think we're always trying to make it, and there's always different ways and different mm. directions, and as long as you keep learning and changing, yeah. And you you know surrounding yourself with good people. I mean, I think that's 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 yeah. really important as well. So yeah, yeah. you know, if you if you ha- if you get into a bad relationship or you know you're in a bad period of your life, which a lot of people find themselves, and unfortunately that's just you know something that then you have to deal with, try to get out of. It's like. Yeah, it's not always necessarily easy as well. It's no. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, just going on a different tangent. But I, yeah. Oh, I see. We could go on so many. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. I've I've really enjoyed listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've covered so much, but. So, yeah. so much and so little. <laughs> We could no, we could great. dissect so much. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you for coming on. Thank it was really you, lovely Martin. hearing from you. Thank you um, for inviting me. Uh, no worries. And if you want to hear more episodes, you can hear them on Apple and Spotify. I'll be chatting with another guest next week, and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.